and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Okay, Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Come on, Lee fans. Even Oiler fans, you had to know this wouldn't be easy. I mean, we've all read enough motivational Monday posts to know that nothing worth having comes easy. We've all seen the posts with the words of wisdom to set up an introspective picture and a lovely background that your mom could have taken on vacation with the wisdom that was teethed from James May, who probably stole it from Alan Watts, who probably stole it from, you get the idea. Things like nothing in this life worth achieving is easy, nor is it impossible. Hmm. Or perhaps Barack Obama, who once said, nothing in life that worth, that's worth anything is easy. Ah, yes, Barack. Nothing in life that's worth anything is easy. Not just hockey or basketball, but life, man. Life from Barrio B to the random vibes. What comes easy won't last. What lasts won't come easy. Huh? That one, homie, is going in the stories. And one of my favorites, Theodore Roosevelt, whose man in the arena has been co-opted so many times that you actually forget where it came from. Well, good old Teddy, or his writer, who gave us the man in the arena, gave us this one. Nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, difficulty. I have never in my life envied a human being who led an easy life, said Teddy. I have envied a great many who led difficult lives and led them well. Teddy, Connor, Austin, are you listening to Uncle Timmy? I'm not sure which one Sheldon Keith or Jay Woodcroft pulls out on Saturday night. But either way, Jesse, we have three game sevens. Mm. In the NHL on Saturday night. And depending on how things go to... Oh, look at the music. <laughs> and depending on how things go tonight... We could have three more on Sunday. No offense, Calgary, though, to be honest, I think you get it tonight. All that means, cut the music. <laughs> this is why we watch sports. This is why we do this, Jesse. And the possibility still exists that the first round could tie an NHL record. For Game 7s in a single round, 6 set in 1992, Division Semifinals, a.k.a. the first round. Outside of 92, there has never been more than four Game 7s in any round. In part because after the first round, there can't be more than four, but that's just <laughs> mad. You get the vibes, kids. This could be legendary. 
It could be excruciating, but it could be legendary. And the NBA is much different. Already one game seven Sunday. Mavs, Suns could have two more depending on tonight as the Celtics try and push Milwaukee to a game seven. And the Grizzle try to do the same. But both those teams are on the road for game number six. Jesse Rubinoff, can anyone enjoy the journey or is this just sporting torture? First of all, Tim McAuliffe. What? So inspirational. You, hold on. So inspirational. You were silent. Unbelievable. You were silent the whole way. No, and now it was, you're, it was you're a performance. Up and no, it was a performance. You, you don't get up you very deserve often. It. Yeah, you deserve the I, you deserve the round of, the, of applause. I, I today. did screw up the Barack Obama quote. Though. That's okay. The Barry OB was a nice touch. You like your Barry yeah, OB? I really yeah. like the Barry there's OB. There's a Larry OB, and then there's yeah. the Barry OB. I got you. Yeah. I got it. Um, uh, it is not fun for Leaf fans. Everybody else can enjoy the journey. Not Leaf fans, though. But hold on a second here. Yeah. A step back, evenly fans. Like, we do understand that the reason it was so sweet for Boston Red Sox fans mm-hmm. and Chicago Cubs fans was the journey that got them there. Like, all of that torture that they had lived through made the moment when you got there that much sweeter. Is there any recognition of that amongst Leaf fans or Oiler fans who have lived? A pretty tortured life since the glory days as well. Shout at the kid line. In hindsight, there will be. If they can win, there will be. But until that moment, nah. No way. No way. The destination is so much sweeter when you have... when you have get, That's what Teddy was trying to tell you. I know. I, to I, live I the difficult times means that when the good times come, they are that much better. <laughs> Jesse. Music again. Canada. Toronto. Leaf fans across the country, Oilers fans, hey Canucks fans, I see you too. 1967 isn't just the Leafs. I get it. We have lived a life that has been long in the waiting. There's a generation of even Habs fans, Jesse. Imagine that, Habs fans that have never seen this before. 1993, mm-hmm. a long time ago. Mm-hmm. That is a long time. That's staggering, man. Long. Sometimes, kids, the journey is the destination. All right, let's get to our top days on the top stories. Again. But first things first. Here we are now. So let's get to the real talk, Bunny LaRock. Here we go. All right. So. I'll stop trying to motivate Lee. No, that was fun. That was a great <laughs> opener on a Friday. I think that's ridiculous. Here we go. We got 24 hours until, uh, almost 24 hours until Game 7. Uh, Are people motivated or pissed at me for that? No, motivated, of you course. Think, I don't know, yeah. Jesse. I nah. don't know. Nah, I'm motivated. Uh, okay, so for the fifth straight year, the Leafs will go the distance in the opening round of the playoffs. After Tampa's 4-3 overtime win in Game 6, it's been... <laughs> Ooh, sorry, I can't giggle. Four straight years of heartbreak for Leafs fans. Is there reason to believe this Not year either. will be any different? This it, year will be different. It's comical. That's why I giggled. It is comical. It's, it's torturous. Yeah. I was going to say this year was different because through six games and three wins apiece, I, I think that the Leafs have been the better team, and I didn't think that I would probably say that heading into the series. But you also could have said that Last year against Montreal, Mm -hmm. and the year before that against Columbus. You might have even been able to say it against the Bruins back in the day, but the reality is the Leafs are now 0-9 in elimination games since 2013. I repeat, 0-9 
in an elimination game since 2013 and 0-8 in the Matthews-Marner era. And as you mentioned, this is the fifth straight. That means each of the last four seasons have ended with a winner-go-home game, Mm -hmm. and the Leafs have lost every one of them. The question I have for you, Jesse, for you, Canada, even though Toronto lost game six, did it look like they had learned from previous failures? I think the easy answer would be no, because there have been many previous failures. But I think by looking at what has transpired this series alone, their ability to bounce back game after game is something that we haven't seen from this team for a long time. You mean two games? Two games. They have laid eggs, obviously, in the series. We've talked about that. Right. But when their the best players have... response to the egg laying? Yes. Okay. Yes. Their okay. response to the egg laying and their response when they get down in games like last night. Like, think about Leaf teams of years past. I think it would have been very easy for them to say, okay, we're going back home for game seven. Let's fold up like a cheap tent. They did not do that. And it's a game of very tiny margins. So, yes, I think they, they have learned. Yeah, this bit. is a series of very tiny margins. But you're playing against a team that is a two-time defending cup champs. No kidding. Who don't do things like that. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, the records are phenomenal. That's now 54 consecutive playoff games that the defending two-time Stanley Cup champs in Tampa have played without back-to-back losses. 54! The next best number is 39. Andre Vasilevsky following a playoff loss since 2020. 17-0 with a 147 save percentage. And oh yeah, five shutouts. Now, he allowed three goals in the second and through five games in two periods, Andre Vasilevsky had a save percentage in the series of 876. That was the worst number for any goalie that had played more than two games in the postseason. And then he absolutely shut it down, right? In overtime and late in the third, yeah. Third period and overtime, he shut it down. Like, you just had this feeling it wouldn't be easy, but I'm with you. I thought the Leafs played well in an elimination game, and that hasn't happened much in this run of nine straight losses in those elimination games, where a Leaf fan could say, yeah, they went toe-to-toe with blank, and I don't care who it is. Right. And this is the, this is, since Boston, this is the only team that you could say, eh, they're probably pretty close, mm-hmm. right? Like Montreal, I thought Toronto was significantly better than. Columbus, I thought Toronto was significantly better than, and nothing happened. This something happened, at least. No question. Uh, and you look at the way that they played, it's like it's hard to find flaws in their performance, right? Because w- what Leaf fans have asked is that your best players be your best players. Yeah. And you look at John Tavares again last night, and he was done, right? Every, all, Leaf fans is oh, Tavares, the worst contract in hockey. He's done, he's done, he's done. Two elite plays in back-to-back games. The assist in game five, and then the goal last night, especially the one where he hit the brakes, skate, stick, shelf. That's an unbelievable play. That's an elite play, yeah, but that wasn't that's even, why you pay him. But that wasn't even, like, he had the two goals, and he had what could have been the series-ending ridiculous pass to Kerfoot in front. Like, these are how fine the lines yeah. are. That was such a great pass. <laughs> and Haunting. Whenever I talk about how thin the lines are, remember that play. Remember the rebound and how close Kerfoot got to ending it. But I got to ask you mm-hmm. and Canada again, mm-hmm. did 
Did Camp's high stick of Cal Foot change the game, and should it have? Uh, it, it only changed the game once Kerfoot took the second one. Because the rate, obviously, of scoring on a five-on-three is but, so much but easier. But that doesn't happen without that. Like, yeah, it's a missed call. But, I mean, missed calls happen. They, they've happened a lot in this postseason, but they happen. So you think that that was not a penalty? Like, if you no. get the stick up into the no. shoulder pads, that's not a penalty. No, if it sells it. Yeah, if anything, it's embellishment. Like, but he didn't get hit in the head, and he They're not calling it embellishment back. twice in no. one game. There's no <laughs> chance. That, that one didn't make any sense either. But that's, that's part of my problem with the way... And listen, I've been hard on the referees. I get it. But my biggest beef with the referees is, one, consistency through periods, and okay. two, is dangerous plays, borderline hits from behind, cross-checks all go away when it matters most. And they most definitely look for the easy calls. Like, high sticks, contact with the face, let's go, you're off the ice. And the easiest of them all, puck over glass, two minutes. So you get into the end of a game where it matters the most, and look at the numbers. These are power plays by period, and we have been told by many of the experts that we're calling the rule book, and that's what we're doing in this postseason. Here are the power plays by period. Look from period two to period three, and there are zero in overtime. There have been no power plays in overtime in this postseason. So don't tell me that you're calling the rule book and then leave the consistency out only for the easy ones and then miss... One that maybe wasn't that easy. Like, if, if you're going to call a high stick regardless, he got a stick up, caught a guy in the shoulder, and you think that's a penalty, go ahead. But that was sold. You missed it. Mm-hmm. And then there were chances to even it up, even if you went into the, the locker room, the dressing room, at, at, uh, at intermission. I almost said halftime. That is definitely what you don't say in hockey. <laughs> During the intermission... You know referees are talking about it and watching it back to see if they missed it. Definitely. There was an elbow to the face of Kerfoot that they could have called, but they didn't call. Like, sometimes by not deciding the game, you decide the game. And that's what I said earlier about the officials. That one kind of bugs me a little bit. Matthew's being held by Kalorn, too, for like half the shift that he was on. Yes, the officiating, it sucks to have to come in and talk about the, the officiating every single game. You would hope for consistency but at the end of the day it's just a hard job that's what it is so so the real question is for me like obviously the Leafs are still a good young team but it feels like there is a lot on the line in game seven (laughs) like how much is on the line in game seven if they lose Mm -hmm. to a defending two-time Stanley Cup champion is this season a failure? I think had this happened two years ago and they played a series like this and lost to a team that's back-to-back defending champions, like you said, it would just be they were better than us, barely, by a, a little bit of a margin, and that's that, and that's fine. But the fact that you have the scar tissue that's been built up year after year after year, this is where the past begins to work against them. And the loss last year, particularly to Montreal, when they were up 3-1 in a series that everybody thought they should win, had they won that, you'd have a little bit more breathing room here. But it's going to be another. It's going to be another first round exit if they lose, and the fan base is going to demand something be done. And whether that's the right move or the wrong move, someone's going to have to answer for repeated failures. Despite how great they've been, you can make a very good case. This is the best roster they've had in the Kyle Dubas era, or in a very long time. They just just said franchise record. 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 Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I mean, it's a franchise record, 
and they're going to lose, and there's going to be a, a, probably the majority of the fan base that thinks something drastic needs to be done if they lose. Two, maybe three of the best players in the team are younger than their Rookie of the Year nominee. Mm-hmm. I repeat, Marner, Matthews, and Nylander, whatever you think of him, all younger than their Rookie of the Year nominee, Michael Bunting. Like, and you're thinking at this time, and I know that this is take a step back, blah, 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 and you don't want to hear it. You just want to get through the first round. It'll be amazing to see what happens if they win and if they lose this game seven because you got to be careful when you have a good young team about the way you react to what will be a small sample size against a really good team. Yep. We're going to ask the viewers what they think. We're going to send out something on, on social media. I think I know responses. the answer. Do you? Yeah, that's why I was leaning the way I was leaning, was to be very careful because I know what you're thinking. Temper this the expectations. just yeah. another – no, I'm not tempering any expectation. Have the expectations. But like Vegas had this set up before, Bet Rivers had both these teams 10-1 to 1 to win the cup at the mm-hmm. start, mm-hmm. right? They were like fourth and fifth picks to win the cup yep. because they understood whoever gets through this round could make a real run. No doubt. Uh, lots more coming up on the Leafs, but another awesome hockey game last night, and it should be a great scene at Rogers Place on Saturday because the Oilers host a Game 7 on home ice for the first time since 1990. Last night, Connor McDavid scored less than two minutes into the game and had three points and really just took over. The Oilers winning 4-2 over the Kings. McDavid said after Game 5 that four needs to be enough in a playoff game. And to me, it was last night. So how many do they need to score to win Game 7? Yes, Connor McDavid and Jay Woodcroft got their wish. Four goals was enough, but it's the first time it was enough. Literally. Here's the stat of the day, and I give credit to Bruce McCurdy for the second time in a couple weeks from the Edmonton Journal. In their last 19 playoff games, the Oilers are 1-14 in when scoring five goals or less. That's right, Jesse. The Oilers have one win in their last 19 games in the postseason when scoring less than six goals. It's a crazy stat. That's ridiculous. That's a super stat. That's nearly unreal. It's not a meaningless number. So it seems like they'll have to score at least four again, Jesse. But to be fair... For all Mike Smith has taken, save percentage of 931 in this series. Yeah. I mean, you just hope it doesn't, his bad games don't come at the wrong time. That's it. It's timing, right? But he was good enough last night. He was good enough last night. And the, and the nuclear option of McDavid and Dreisaitl worked. I mean, they combined for four points. McDavid was an absolute beast. Like, nice call by Woodcroft. He was, McDavid was unbelievable. He played... 24 minutes and two seconds, and whenever they needed something, he was there to help provide something. He and Evander came, and that was a good call and a nearly legendary type game from Connor McDavid. Yep. We'll find out if it was based on whether or not they win Game Seven. What about Leon Draisaitl just battling through what could have been very easily could have been called a penalty on Mikey Anderson? But he battles through, goes to the tunnel, comes back, and, I mean, it's playoff hockey. That's what they do in the playoffs. But just another amazing performance by the best players on the Oilers. This this was, and and he battled through. But we're getting back to the officiating here. Like, 
the Arthur Kaliev too. Like the Mikey yeah. Anderson dragging him down. No, like what is that? Why do we allow that to happen? And yet Mike Smith has to be called. Like he he tapped a guy in the Fisneris. He's got to get called for that. The what? I don't know. What do you want to call it? The Fisneris. Yeah, I mean, I don't. don't, Let me go to Fisneris.com. You don't know Fisneris? No. Like, the calls in this game were, like, I don't even know what the hell they were. And it (laughs) seems like we all can know what's going on. Like, we all know what Arthur Kaliev was doing, right? Unintentionally, intentionally taking out Connor McDavid? Unintentionally, intentional. Like... That's ridiculous to call that after, or to not call that after you call what we saw the Oilers take repeatedly. There almost isn't that much to say about that play because it's the most obvious textbook definition interference call, or I guess missed call you could possibly have against the best player in the NHL. I know you, Leaf fans, I know, but yeah. you you must have missed it. Yes, like that's it. That's the only explanation there is that you just must have missed yes. it. Yes. Because to not have the guts to call that on the best player on planet Earth is yeah. jaw-dropping. It's like, and, and if you've played any sort of hockey anywhere, and I know it happens quick, but come on. You look up, you see Kaliev, you see McDavid, you know what happened. Everyone yeah. knew what happened, yeah. except for apparently two guys. Very, very strange. Uh, right. But Saturday is going to be outstanding. Uh, let's go to a story from Vancouver. Bruce Boudreaux will be back as Canucks head coach. Next season, the team making the announcement earlier today. Boudreaux had until June 1st to pick up his option earlier this month. Canucks president Jim Rutherford said Boudreaux's 57 games behind the Canucks bench wasn't a big enough sample size to offer him a long-term deal. Do you think returning on a one-year contract is a good situation for Boudreaux and the team? No, I don't like it. You're half pregnant here. You got, you got a lame duck coach. Like, if you're trying to set a culture in Vancouver, set the culture. Like, either say, this is our guy moving forward or don't. But this is a franchise that has kind of half-assed a lot of stuff over the last little while. Mm -hmm. Like, are you rebuilding? Are you trying to make the playoffs? Are you trying to be a team that is competing right now? It's always been, yeah, kind of. And they just, yeah, kind of their head coach. Like, that to me is not the kind of message that you want to send what is still a young group in Vancouver I would have liked a strong statement. I get it. Jim Rutherford, it's not your guy. He came in and he stole the job. I get it. Make him your guy. Figure out a way to make him your guy and send a strong message because there's been too much waffling there. Yeah. I mean, it's not a big enough sample size. Look at the difference in the way they played. Like, they changed everything. Their best players became their best players. There were a lot of really good things. But they didn't change the way Alvin and Rutherford wanted them to change. Yeah. That's it. So either move on, make that tough call, or don't be half pregnant. It's very weird. Seems like he did a great job. I would have just given him a, I mean, who am I, but would have given him a longer deal. You're Jesse Rubinoff. Yeah. First things first. That is a wrap. Still to come, <laughs> Kenny Jet Smith's take on the 76ers slow process. Luca and Giannis Genius will get former Jay Caleb Joseph ahead of his first shift on Blue Jays Central. Jason Ray's locking horns, former Lightning winger, current ESPN broadcaster Ryan Callahan, also stopping by in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And speaking of, David Amber joins me in studio next to talk Leafs, Oilers, Flames, and more. Tim and friends, it's Friday, kids. Enjoy the game. Playoff overtime, whatever it takes. Centers, shot, rebound, scores! <laughs> 
still standing. Here comes McDavid. Wraparound attempt, and he scores! The Edmonton Oilers keep their season alive. I think the guys in the locker room know how important this game is. We don't want to push this to a game seven. You know, we want to finish it off here, and uh, you know, that's our mindset in the locker room. Enjoy this moment. You never know when it's your last. It will be the only time that all of us are here in this spot. Let's go to the ring fire! Sir, I'm, I'm doing a little radio uh, hit while we're driving and saying hello. The radio host says hello to you. Tim McCallum, great guy up in Toronto. Tim and friends counting you down again. Another pressure-packed night of action on tap in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Crosby-less Penguins trying to finish off the Rangers and keep it going. That's on Sportsnet and CBC. Caps try and force a Game 7 against the Panthers. Seems like they lost their chance last game, but that one's on Sportsnet 360. And later, the Flames can do their part to set up the Battle of Alberta. You can see that one. Elimination game. Flame stars. Sportsnet and CBC. All right, kids. Uh, I think you can see this dude as a part of most of that coverage tonight. Uh, I present the lovely and talented David Ambrose. Pulled me out of the show meeting, so I don't have no idea what we're going to talk about. Oh, no. It's going to be a disaster, so we'll see what happens. Who, who like, looks at you and goes, hey, you got to go do Tim and Sid or whatever the hell. No, I gladly I gladly jumped out. So I was there up there with Kevin and Kelly and Elliot and we're uh, working nice. through what we're talking about. There's lots to talk about. All right. Do you want to start with the Flames? Whatever that you is your, want to go to. Well, like, Goudreau and Mangiapane. So I felt like game four, game five, Goudreau kind of sort of busts out. Mangiapane kind of sort of busts mm-hmm. out. Like, that seems like a real good sign for the Flames. And I know that momentum has meant jack bleep in these yeah. playoffs. But doesn't it seem like a good sign that you got Mangiapane going, too? It's a great sign. Yeah. And that whole line, Coleman, Mangiapane, Backlund, were really effective. Yeah. And they... That's a key, right? You have to have a balanced scoring attack because Dallas is so good. They, Dallas never even goes on the attack. They essentially just flip the puck in, send one man in. They keep two forwards high. It's not the, the most exhilarating brand of hockey, yeah. but it's been effective for them. I think they realize they can't run up and down the ice against Calgary and have any type of, of uh, chance. So they're slowing it down, putting them into the trenches. But Dallas found a, or sorry, I should say Calgary found a way in that third period, yeah. trailing one nothing. Mangiapane was a huge catalyst for them. And it, it bodes well. I mean, Markstrom's been just as good as Ottinger. He hasn't really gotten his flowers because we've been talking so much about Ottinger and how good he's been. Markstrom's been great. And, you know, you, you say momentum doesn't mean anything, but the Flames have won the last two games. They've outscored Dallas 7-2. to I think they found a way to sort of say, once we get our speed and our rush going, yeah. that's the kind of game we want to play. We've been saying trust in their talent yeah. in here. Like, they've been trusting their talent yes. and that yes. they're better than the Stars. The, 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 the beauty of it, though, is that these games have been on a razor's edge. Mm. And it feels to me like Daryl Sutter would quietly love that. It's good, right? And that's, I think, winning these types of games where you're not necessarily in your comfort zone. In fact, Dallas was more in the comfort zone in the first three games in this series. It was played at a pace they're much more comfortable with. Calgary had to adapt, and they did, and they found a way, right? And here they are now with a chance to eliminate... Uh, Dallas, and I think they, they don't want to mess around. Like, I really hope they're going to take that perspective of, like, let's go out, let's bury this team. Because as we saw yesterday, eliminating teams isn't easy, right? Just <laughs> talk to Carolina, talk to Toronto, talk to uh, Pittsburgh, uh, you know, talk to L.A. You're going to get Dallas's best game tonight. Um, but on paper, I really do feel Calgary's the better team. All right, let's go to Toronto, where you mentioned that elimination game in the stat. Now it's pretty famous, 0-9 in elimination games since mm-hmm. 2013, 0-8 in the Marner and Matthews era. 
Did you see something different from the Leafs? Does that matter? Like, how do you look at game six and what was, speaking of a razor's edge, a razor's edge? We were just talking about this, right, before before the segment, and they played well. The Leafs played well, and they got a little bit of vasilevsky I guess, in overtime and in the they third period, which is probably the scariest notion here, right? Like, Vasilevsky could be back to being Vasilevsky. Right. This is a guy they've scored three goals on or more in every game. Um, but if he turns into shutout elimination game Vasilevsky, the last five times, and you've probably done this on the show tonight, right? The last five times they've had a chance to eliminate, he's uh, shut out every team. Uh, that could be a problem, a big problem. But I thought the Leafs, they made some mistakes, yes, we all know. Um, but I thought, by and large, they showed a lot of courage, a lot of guts, a lot of resilience. Would have been very easy down 2 nothing to sort of say, okay. Back to Toronto. Back to Toronto. They yeah. didn't do that, no. you know. Um, although, you know, you can look at it two ways. They also had a chance then going into the third to close out Tampa, and they weren't able to do that. So uh, I'm very interested to see what it's going to be. And uh, tomorrow... I, I, sometimes we, you know, we there's a lot of hyperbole in sports, right? Yeah. And we talk things up, and sometimes we big it up when it doesn't deserve it. This isn't the case. This right. this is a huge game tomorrow. Um, there's a lot riding on this. I don't want to overstate it, but at the same time, there's a lot riding on this. Yeah. Like, you can't just keep going on, going on, going on. So the Leafs are going to have to change that narrative. And tomorrow night, essentially for this season, is their last chance to change that narrative. Yeah, someone suggested that this is a big night for Dubas and Shanahan. Like, if they lose to the defending two-time Stanley Cup champs, are Toronto fans and maybe more importantly the board going to think that this season was a failure? We were just we just put this out to our audience. Like, yeah. is this season a failure? Even though you set franchise highs mm. and wins and points, and you're playing a really good team in the first round, but we all know the history. You, I think you have to show some level of progress. And bottom line, we've been saying this since September, right? We've been saying this since training camp, right? Yeah, but that, you didn't know you were going to draw Tampa. No, absolutely. And go toe to toe. No, and they've which done. Is, which is they've what been they've the better done. team. Yeah. I think they've been the better team by yeah. and large in this series. That's all true. But until right. you can say, well, we've we've crossed that hurdle, right? Like, what would you sell next year? Well, maybe we won't get Tampa in the first round. Like, that's not really a selling point. It's not a matter of heads are going to no. roll. But I think you'd have to have a real strong evaluation. Like, right. we've assembled this great team. We have great ownership group. We have a great management group. We have great players. Something has to give. We can't just keep on keeping on. You know? Right, the definition of insanity. Yeah, so I mean, I do think a lot is riding on this. I don't know what specifically would happen, but mm-hmm. I don't think we should undersell it either as well. Hey, they, they drew Tampa, and them's the breaks. You know, they finished with the fourth, what, fourth <laughs> best it. record yeah. in the NHL. Yeah. Like, they have home ice advantage. The expectation is if you're a championship caliber team, then these are the types of games you find a way to win and you move on. What about Edmonton in this similar spot? Oh, man. Connor McDavid, hey? Oh, that wow. was unbelievable like, last night. He he was amazing last yeah. night. The team was amazing. They were so pumped. You see Mike Smith at the end of that game just kind of give it the... Yeah. Um, I think they're the better team. Like I've said about Calgary, I mean, maybe I'm just wishing things, right? Like I'm wishing for this <laughs> Battle of Alberta. Che- right? Cheering you know? for the Battle of Alberta. <laughs> I've been doing it too. Right? But it's, but we it's all still... No, and it would be amazing, yeah. right? We haven't seen it. We in, deserve it as a country. In Jesse's right. lifetime, we haven't seen this, I don't yeah, think, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's been that long. Uh, I mean, it's been a long time. Jesse looks younger than he is. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a fraud, complete fraud. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? It would, yeah. be, it would be so the drama. The fan bases absolutely loathe one another. The cities have this great rivalry. You know, we as sports fans deserve that. Yeah. You know, haven't we suffered enough? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see L.A. Dallas second round. <laughs> and, and this, the difference for this country, for this station, and I'll, I'll, I just will. I mean, I have to be honest. <laughs> be quite close. For, for, us. for the difference between Dallas and L.A. 
and Calgary and Edmonton is absolutely gigantic. Yeah. And the storylines that we here have followed all year long, you know, is Calgary the best team in Canada? Did they take the steps that these other two teams mm-hmm. weren't able to do by, by employing a style that would benefit them when it matters most as opposed to the other two skill-based teams? Right. Like, there's so many storylines that are on the verge <laughs> of coming to fruition. And we can just get there. And the nastiness, right? Seven games with Kane and Cassian, and then you have Lucic and Kachuk and, and Goodbranson. I mean, you have teams that are set up. It would be dynamic. So the, of the eight top scorers in the NHL this year, four of them would be in the Battle of Alberta. Right. Like, you have these high star power uh, set up, all the rivalry, the geography between these teams, the history between these teams. It would be great, you know, and we're a couple steps away now. Like, you can almost smell it. You can almost feel it. So we'll see. Edmonton looked like that was the performance they needed last night and that's what I expect tonight when we get back to the games that we have tonight you know whether it's New York trying to keep their season alive or uh, or Dallas trying to keep their season alive they got to come out of the gates the way Edmonton came out of the gates like they don't have McDavid as the problem but you know McDavid came out and sort of said we're taking you know I'm taking this game over and he did in the first two shifts it, how, I mean it's such a shame that Sidney Crosby oh, was God. putting on another show for the ages where we were just Looking back and going, mm. man, we slept on this guy a little bit too much this year. You saw flashes of the brilliance, and he was on, like, the Rangers just got brand new life here. Uh, they do, and then under the worst circumstances. Yeah. You want to beat the team. You don't want to necessarily take out their best player and then beat the team. But, yeah, I mean, th- this, this play right here has changed the whole complexion of the series. We're going to do uh, a hit with Carolyn Cameron at the top of our pregame show at 6.30 Eastern, and she'll have the very latest on Sidney Crosby, but we know he's not playing tonight. You know, Maybe if it was an elimination game, maybe there would be a chance, but I imagine you're not going to risk something that could be a head injury, could be, we all know his history. Yeah. Um, and he is the, the straw that stirs it. And it's not just looking at his goals and assists, right? He had the four multi-point games to start the series. I get that. You should see how they dominated the ice as a line. Gensel rusted him. Dominated the ice, and now Malkin's going to move up there. And Malkin's been a bit preoccupied with things. He maybe he's got his mind in other places during this series. They need right. him to sort of refocus and be that guy because Crosby's irreplaceable. But Malkin is another superstar caliber player when he wants. They to. were on the verge of beating the Rangers with Louis Domingue in that. Their third string. They were on the verge yeah. of that. Well, they and still it, are, but it, 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 does, it, it feels it, different. It changed. What was it, three goals in, like, less than three minutes? Crosby gets Crosby, hurt, yeah. three goals. Crosby gets hurt, 2 nothing. Penguins, three goals in two minutes and 42 seconds. Yeah. Un- an unbelievable life. switch. Uh, we'll have Carolyn Cameron at 6 o'clock, oh, actually, nice. and we'll you, discuss you, the very same You always things. get the... Uh... 6 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, we steal things early, <laughs> but then you do it with an audience. So. <laughs> <You got laughs> David Amber, thank you for doing this. Appreciate you Have a great weekend, down. guys. Thanks for having me again. Uh, there is David Amber. You can catch him on the coverage all night, including the Stars and Flames coming up on CBC and Sportsnet. Time for a break. When we come back, we'll talk Jays as they stumble into a series with the Rays in Tampa out of a weekend stint on Blue Jays Central. Former Jays catcher Caleb Joseph joins us next right here on Tim and Friends. Thanks, Dave. Everybody's working to the weekend, and we are as well. After a day off, Jays try and regroup back to their winning ways as they start a three-game set with the Rays in Tampa. See it on Sportsnet 1, starting with Blue Jays Central, 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. Kevin Gossman on the mound for the Jays against Drew Rasmussen for the Rays. Jay's look, lineup will look like this. Springer, Bichette, Vladdy, Teoscar, that's one through four. 
as it usually is. Alejandro Kirk is the DH. He bats fifth. Zach Collins catches Gossman and will bat eighth. While Santiago Espinal at second base, batting ninth, still near the bottom of the order. You know, he continues to get big hits. Some injury news to pass along. Hinjin Ryu will come off the IL tomorrow, make his third start of the season, while Danny Jansen is in Tampa doing baseball activities, and he could be activated as early as tomorrow to catch Ryu. Our next guest could be familiar to Jays fans. Although he didn't spend a long time with the team, he certainly made an impression. That whole good time, not a long time to quote Trooper. This guy, in some ways, is the heartbeat of the operation. Even though he only got activated a couple of days ago, he makes it fun for everybody. we dream about it's happening it's a reality let's go out there and give it our all leave everything on the field and see where the chips lay because boys it's going to be a good one i can feel it let's go former big leaguer vibes coordinator brand spanking new teammate he's sitting beside jamie campbell on blue jay central is joe siddle joins matt devlin in the booth got a good and since you understood jesse carson i think there's only one fitting way to welcome our new teammate Two claps and a Ric Flair. Woo! Caleb Joseph, what's going on? Oh, I love that. Thank you. Man, that makes my heart feel so good. <laughs> so is this something that you've always wanted to do? Is it something that you stumbled upon? Is it a little bit of both? Uh, what's, what's been the process of jumping in on Blue Jay Central? Well, most of my family and friends, they've been telling me for years now, look, you've got the best face for radio. <laughs> so I've been looking at that. Um, no, I mean, doing this has been something that I think that I would really enjoy one of these days. And now is the day. And to be covering the Blue Jays, a team that I fell in love with back in 2020, is just something that I cannot uh, tell you how excited I am about it. It's an exciting team, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Uh, I know baseball's in the family, and you spent some time around the diamond growing up in Tennessee. Were you always the commentator while doing that, or is that something you grew into? Yeah, I've kind of been that guy since day one. You know, when you're a 220 hitter, you try and find ways to impact the club. Right. Uh, it's not always with the bat or something. So bringing levity has always been a, a strong suit of mine, if you will. Nice. All right, let, let's talk about these Jays. When you were with them back in 2020, did you feel like big things were on the horizon with this group? Without a doubt. And I think that when they started that season in 2020, they weren't really expecting it to take off as fast as it did. And, boy, it took off really fast. We made the playoff, I think, for the eighth time in the organization's history. And those guys, they, they want it. They want it bad. And they failed to make the playoffs last year by one game. Uh, I, I, this team is something to, to, to watch. And I know they're in a little bit of a skid here. But there's so much talent on this team. And I believe in the people and the character inside that clubhouse that – there's no doubt about it that they're going to be exciting to watch and hopefully playing real meaningful games back in, in September. Yeah, scuff it a little bit here. Is, is there a difference between being the brash, cool kids that can just go up there and have some fun and a team with expectations? That's funny you mentioned that. I was actually talking to Jamie about that just a minute ago. It's one thing to be that team that kind of lays in the weeds. Nobody, I'm not going to say that they don't take them seriously, but right. 
when you've got the Yankees and the Red Sox and kind of the big boys or whatever, the Blue Jays can kind of hang in the middle. Not this year. Everybody is picking the Blue Jays to do big things. And, yeah, maybe it's one of those things that these expectations aren't, aren't being met and, and recently. And so you're seeing some frustration. You saw Vladdy break a bat over his knee. And I like that. I like that frustration because it means they know the weight of what everybody's putting on them and, and what they put on themselves in terms of how they want to get it done and go out there and win games. So I, I like seeing this type of emotion. It's just can you bridle it in? Can you get back to the basics? And can we get back to Blue Jay baseball that's really good, crisp, clean Major League Baseball games and not let them beat themselves? Right. Uh, t- tonight's matchup uh, in the Lidler for a three-game set of the Chop. As I mentioned, Kevin Gossman, Drew Rasmussen. You crossed uh, paths with Gossman uh, with the Orioles team that drafted both of you. Did you see what we're seeing coming? I really didn't, to be honest with you. I, I saw Kevin as a, as a big prospect with a huge arm, and he just never really got to that potential with us in Baltimore. Now, a lot of it had to do with how we were encouraging him to use his pitches and where we were encouraging him to use his pitches. And I think a lot of the technology has really opened it up for him in understanding that he can pitch in different areas, and it actually is it, it makes his stuff play better. So. He's figured that out, and, man, I'm happy for him because he's a great guy. He's very durable, and, and that's so underrated in the game today is durable starters that can go out and give you 30, 35 starts a year, 200-something innings. I think that would be something really cool for him to hone in on, try and get to that 200-inning mark, and I think he can do it, especially with how he started off this year. What's the most impressive part of what he has become versus the guy that you saw? Uh, the lettuce, the flow, what's under his bucket <laughs> by, by far. I mean, look, that, that's glorious brown hair he's got. No, I mean, Kevin, Kevin has solidified his windup. He went from the, the, the full windup into just a stretch and being able to really dominate that splitter and dominate the fastball up in the zone has been a game changer for him. And he's mastered those two pitches. Uh, so you have a repeatable windup and you know and you trust that the numbers say you can play up in the zone with that fastball. He's just going out there and killing it. And I'll tell you, when you have confidence and you know you can master and repeat your delivery, uh, he's oozing with confidence. And I'll tell you, it's, it's one of those things that when he goes out every night, you expect him to win, and he now expects him to win. No more teetering, no more of that stuff. He right. goes out there, knows what he wants, plan A, and you're going to adjust off of me. Trust me, I'm, I'm impressed by the lettuce, too. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, the, the rotation's been pretty damn good. Offense, uh, many thought would be great, has been just okay. Bo struggled out of the gate. Seems like he's getting it going. Now it's Vladdy and Teoscar's turn. How much of this is regular ebb and flow of the marathon that is 162? And how much do you think might be others adjusting to the Blue Jays' stars? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I'm not sure we've even seen all cylinders of this offense fire at once yet. So you have the injury to Tay Oscar. You have blows kind of starting off a little bit slow. And then people just pitch around Vladdy. And we have seen some good stuff from Santiago Espinal. Uh, Zach Collins has shown that he's, he's able to put the ball in the seats here a little bit. But a lot of it really, look, when you have these teams, they're coming out. And they're like I said earlier, they're not laying in the weeds anymore. The New York Yankees know that their number one competition right now is the Toronto Blue Jays. So they are going out giving it everything they have in terms of uh, giving them a full attention that we've we got we to play our best game here. All right, we got to play our best game. We really need to hone in on this guy, this guy, this guy, and not let them beat us. We can't right. just roll the balls out and expect that we're going to roll over these Jays. They're getting everybody's best game, right. and so pitchers are very aware for that, and that changes things. Hey, before we let you go, Jays have had some history at this ballpark in, uh, in Tampa, or 
Clearwater, as it were. Um, what are your memories of this ballpark, the Trop? Uh, this is where I made my major league debut. Oh, really? So I, yes, I, I actually love it. The old cowbells. Uh, they they <laughs> yeah. ring those cowbells. All twelve of them in the stands out there. Um, I'll tell you, it's it's a fun place, and for a catcher, it's really cool because it's seventy degrees. And uh, DJ Kitty down there, he does all the cool, you know, <laughs> do, 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 you know, and a lot of stuff. Yeah, there it is. Wow, I that's got quick. You. I got all you. All that type of stuff. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. I, I, I went down there, actually, with my dad and my son, and I, like, I was like, they work hard for your dollar. I got no problem with it. They actually, I know there's not a lot of people in there, but they work hard for your dollar. They, they have this courtesy around them. Like, I enjoyed the park, but I, I may be one of the few. I also enjoyed this conversation. Uh, thank you for taking your maiden voyage here on Sportsnet with us on Tim and Friends. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, there is Caleb Joseph. You can see him beside Jamie Campbell for Blue Jay Central, which is coming your way in about 35 minutes' time ahead of the lid lifter of the three-game set at the Trop, Rays and Jays. I was getting ready to do another. Oh, I saw, I saw you looking at me with hands up, yeah. and you wanted another two claps and a woo before we got rid of him? Of course. Yeah, yeah. but he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. That's okay. He was excellent. I, I think it was we great. Him in nice. Yeah, a lot of really good uh, insight. I think he's going to be great tonight. I think he'll be good. Yeah. 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 Especially the lettuce insight. That was southern real. drawl too. <laughs> and we got a, we got a few southern draws. It's just so there. easy. It just sounds good. You got a Virginian draw. Sounds like baseball. I got <laughs> it's you. One of the sounds of baseball. I got you. Time for a break. On the other side, we will head to the rinks. Dallas and Pittsburgh ahead of Game Sixes plus NHL captain, former NHL captain, current. NHL broadcaster Ryan Callahan will join us to discuss the Leafs and Lightning, plus the Oilers and the Flames and more. Tim and Friends, two claps and Ric Flair. Woo! Continues next. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. No motivational speak, uh, speeches this time around. We just thank the Sheepdogs. Jesse distracted me by dancing once again. Ariel B. You, it looked like you added a different dance. That was yeah, more was, like a that was swim. Like a, it was like a jam band You like your jam bands, eh? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah? yeah. And you go to Grateful Dead concerts? Is uh, that what you're I talking about I never went to here? a Grateful fish? Dead concert. A lot of fish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. fish. I like fish, yeah. Yeah? Just, you know, everyone at the fish concerts dance like this. That's yeah, because they're all high. That's it. Full hour on Sportsnet 360, which includes... Kenny not the me, Jet though. Smith. Not me. Yeah, right. You can't say you go to fish concert. Never mind. Uh, we're going to get in on the on the process in Philadelphia with Kenny the Jet Smith. Just a half an hour to go on Sportsnet ahead of Hockey Central and another huge night in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's right, kids. Flames looking to close out the Stars in Game Six. The music can only mean one thing: big time hockey is on its way. Two straight wins for the Flames. Can they keep it going? been an extremely tight series earlier today. Johnny Gaudreau was asked about how Daryl Sutter prepared the team for games like this. We do a lot of video. Uh, that prepares us. Um, but I think he just expects, you know, each player to come prepared. I mean, he's not going to baby us, you know. He's obviously uh, very demanding of us and, and expects a lot out of us. But, um, you know, we got to come prepared and and he lets us know that, and uh, maybe once, and then that, that's about it. Speaking of dudes who always come prepared, 
Dan Murphy standing by in Dallas covering the series for us. Hey, Murph, what's going on? Hello, Tim, from sweltering hot Dallas, <laughs> uh, I might add. You know, Rick Bonus hoping that his team can take some inspiration from the other tenant of this building, that being the Dallas Mavericks. Last night, down 3-2, yeah. hosting the Suns, one going away, forcing a Game 7 back in Arizona. Now the Stars in the exact same situation, down 3-2, going to try to use home ice advantage. Nothing they'd like better than to hop on a flight back to Calgary tomorrow for Game 7. Now to do that... Rick Bonus is going to have to find a way to squeeze some more offense out of this lineup. They've only beaten Jacob Markstrom six times. Yeah. Six times in five games. That's not good enough. He was asked today uh, what he would like to see out of Ben and Sagan, and he said some goals would help. As for Sutter, uh, his flames looked great in the third period in game number five. He's hoping the additions of Toffoli and Lewis will help some of the younger guys get over the first-round bump. Uh, nine players in tonight's lineup for the, uh, for the Flames have yet to be through to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, so they're hoping to get over that hump tonight. I got you. The bonus made a number of changes prior to game five. Does he have anything up the sleeve for game six? You know, I think bonus liked everything about game five until the third period. He right. was doing, uh, ex- the team was doing exactly what he wanted, playing real defense first, not giving the Flames any breathing room, and of course they broke out. So he's going to start with the same lineup that he did to start Game 5. Same goes for Daryl Sutter. Of course, Sutter threw his lines in a blender as that game went on, and it paid dividends, especially with Mangiapane and Backlund and Coleman. And Sutter was asked today, how long does it take you to know when a player is going in a game? And he said, 15 seconds or less. So don't be surprised if Sutter changes things up again very quickly if he doesn't like what he's seeing. Uh, very quickly on the Google machine, 92 in Dallas as we speak. Looks like there's some particip- precipitation <laughs> yeah. in the air as well. Uh, stay, stay cool. <laughs> A little humid. <laughs> stay cool, Mr. Murphy. And thanks for doing this. I'll try. There's Dan Murphy in All right. Dallas. Have a good day. Elsewhere tonight, the Pens will once again try and close out the Rangers this time in Pittsburgh, but they'll have to do so without Sidney Crosby, who is out tonight after taking that uh, somewhat controversial hit from Jacob Truba in Game 5. With more on that and tonight's game, let's send it to Carolyn Cameron, standing by live in Pittsburgh. Hey, Carolyn. Hey, Tim. Yeah, so no Crosby, as you said, and what the Penguins are calling an upper body injury. The good news, you could say, is he did skate this morning. Not as part of morning skate, but with the skills coach. And Mike Sullivan, he said he's spoken to Sid, and Sid is, quote, in a good place. So in Crosby's absence, that does mean opportunity for others. And it's really been a next man up mentality all regular season for the Penguins. Evgeny Malkin, he'll center that top line in Crosby's place. And Evan Rodriguez, who had three points in just nine minutes in game three, goes from fourth line wing to second line center and he'll take over Crosby's spot on the top power play. So how does Crosby's absence impact the Rangers on the other side? Well, yeah, like when you're watching on TV for game five, right when Crosby left, that's when the Rangers bang, 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 three straight goals in just a matter of minutes. Gerard Galland, it was an interesting take this morning. He said that Crosby's absence hurt the Penguins more than it helped the Rangers. But you have to think that Rangers top line, who hasn't really been able to get going, especially Mika Zibanejad, still searching for his first goal of the series, if perhaps their mindset will change, because Gallant says he knows they're frustrated, and they've been so focused on trying to defend that top line that he wants them to focus more on just cliche, playing their game. (laughs) Uh, Cameron, appreciate it as always. Enjoy New York. Thanks. Have a good weekend. I'm in Pittsburgh, but I I could go back to New York. Maybe, maybe, game seven. maybe maybe I didn't screw up, and maybe I was predicting 
a game right. seven at MSG, but I probably just screwed up. Thank you, Carolyn. I've been having trouble keeping track of where I am. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah we got a few series on the top of the dump piece, but we appreciate you nonetheless, no matter where you are. Thanks, guys. There is uh, Carolyn Cameron. In Pittsburgh, McAuliffe, you moron. Three games in total tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Pens and Rangers starts it off on Sportsnet and CBC. Panthers try and finish off those pesky caps in Washington. That one's on Sportsnet 360. And later, the Flames look to advance against the Stars. That's also on Sportsnet and CBC. Bruce, there it is. What kind of? Bruce Boudreaux will be back as the Canucks head coach next season. The team announced it today. There was such speculation that that wouldn't be the case. And it's only the one-year deal as the new brain trust in Vancouver decides which way to go long-term. Canucks went 32-15-10 and 10 under Boudreaux last season. All right, the finalists have been announced for the Ted Lindsay Award, Austin Matthews. Connor McDavid and Roman Yossi, the nominees for the league's most outstanding player, this time as voted by the players. So no Shesterkin, no Goudreau, replaced by Yossi. McDavid, three-time winner of the Ted Lindsay. Well, Matthews has never won the award, and Yossi is nominated for the first time. Game six, the first elimination game of the series. Late stages of the period. Maybe a chance in front. Scores! John Tavares! And in stunning fashion, the Leafs lead it. There's Kerfoot. Got a stick up. And the Leafs are going to be five on three short. Kudrow waits. Shoots. Scores! Kudrow has tied this game. Playoff overtime, whatever it takes. Centers. Shot. Rebound. Scores! Tonight, in Game 6 against the Kings, it's do or die for Edmonton. Here comes McDavid, driving to the net. Wraparound attempt, and he scores! There's the start the Oilers were looking for. CC to Kulak, he's got tons of room. He tees one up, and they score! Tipped in by Evander Kane. The Oilers take a 2-0 lead. Dreisaitl, saucer pass, Barry shoots, he scores! The go-ahead goal. The Edmonton Oilers keep their season alive by a final score of 4-2. to It was tag team who once said, here's a shovel, can you dig it, fool? Tag team, I can. So let's dig a little deeper with ESPN. And former captain of the Rangers, Ryan Callahan, who joins me now. Thanks for doing this, Ryan. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, a round of applause, even a golf clap from the guys in the studio yeah. for Mr. Callahan. Uh, let's... Let's let's start captain to captain because we just saw what Sidney uh, excuse me slipped the tongue there as I was just talking about Sidney Crosby with Carolyn Cameron and he's not playing tonight but Connor McDavid last night was unbelievable for the Edmonton Oilers I just wonder like as a former captain you know that in spots like that people are looking to you to perform how tough is it to actually come through in those spots it's it's hard. I mean, in in his instance too, more than anybody else. I mean, he he has a whole team on his shoulders, basically, right? So, yeah. it's his responsibility to lead. It's his responsibility to motivate the guys, you know, in the room. But it's also his responsibility to go on the ice and have performances like that. And that's why he's one of the top players in the league. And that's why I love playoffs so much, and why I wanted to see a guy like Connor McDavid or Drysital or. Guys like Matthews, I'd like to see in the playoffs because I like to see how these top performers 
perform in pressure situations, you know, when, when their back's against the wall or they're down by a goal. And, and we saw last night, he steps up in a huge way, forces a game seven. And um, all year he's been doing it. Him and Drysaddle seem to, you know, drive the bus there all year long. And, and again, they're going to have to do it if they want to advance in, uh, in a game seven. Is there something to, I mean, we up here in Canada, when seeing some of the best players on planet Earth and Matthews and, and Marner and then Drysaddle and McDavid, even Johnny Goudreau struggle when it matters the most in the postseason and in the regular season put up these huge numbers. Is there a way to explain to the layperson, to a jabroni like me sitting here, why it's so different from a regular season where these guys put up massive numbers and then it becomes so different when we get to the postseason? I guess the, the simple answer would be is matchups and the meanings of the game. Um, everybody wants to play offense, but not everybody wants to defend. But come playoff time, guys want to defend. Uh, there's a lot of pride in defending well. There's a lot of pride in shutting you know, guys like Matthews down or McDavid down or Goudreau. Uh, defensive players take a lot of pride in that. And when you're going into a building you know, during the regular season, yeah, you want to shut them down. But it, it just gets risen so much in the playoffs and um, it, it means so much to a team and to a player that that's in that role or is given that role. And, um, and then the flip side of that is, is there's the pressure and especially in some of those Canadian markets where, listen, I did the game, uh, game five in Toronto, um, for ESPN. And I sat there in that media room and listened to some of the questions that they're asking Sheldon Keith and asking some of the players. And I chuckled to myself, I'm like, man, it's, it's a different beast here, right? It's there's added pressure. No matter how much you try to push that away or not worry about it, that's in the back of players' minds. They're thinking about it, you know. Right. And especially in a case like Toronto, where they've ran into playoff failures, you know, it's almost that "uh-oh, here we go again" feeling. And I'll tell you what, it takes a, a pretty strong mental person to be able to put that aside and go out there and, and still perform. And so far, Matthews and, and Marner have done that in this playoffs. Um, they've, they've been really, really good for Toronto, and they still find themselves going into a Game 7. Dude, you were the captain for the New York Rangers. Brooksy was there when you were the captain for the Rangers. You're saying it's different in Toronto than it is even in a place like New York where they obviously love the Rangers? 100%. Yeah. It's, it's not even close. Um, you know, in New York, obviously there's more reporters than normal. I remember when I went to Tampa that – I thought the elevator got stuck after my first game that there were so few reporters in there. But, um, but Toronto's a different beast where it's on TV constantly. It's on the radio constantly. Um, you know, those players can't go outside of that city without being recognized where even a city in New York, you could, you could get away from it uh, and, and not have it always in the back of your mind or have people talking to you about it. So it's a, it's a real thing there. And you know what, when you're, you got the pressure that they have and they have such a good team and, you know, they, they, they have these expectations and um, they haven't had the success they've, they've wanted. It, it's, it's tough to perform in that, and, and we're seeing that right now. But, um, but I'll tell you what, I mean, watching that game last night, I was, I was shocked that, you know, I thought Toronto was going to put them away there when they were up late. Um, they give up that other one, and, and you could just almost sense like, oh, boy, you know, here we go again. we got to go back home with all that noise and then win a game seven. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to watch that game tomorrow night. The, the, the flip side of that is, and whenever I'm talking to my kids about, like, a spot that they're in, I always say pressure's a privilege. Like, the, the ability to go to a game seven, and I get that history will sometimes dictate how you feel it, but how do you turn that 
pressure, oh my God, we're back at home to, oh my God, we're back at home for a game seven against the defending two-time Stanley Cup champs. I mean, as a kid, that's probably a situation that you would have relished being, you know, the best player in the world growing up. Yeah, 100%. And I, I guarantee they're, they're feeling that same way. Yeah. Uh, they're going to relish this situation. And listen, some of their past playoff failures that everybody's talking about, it's not the same team. There's a lot of guys on this team that, right. that weren't on those teams. And that drives me nuts as a player when people are like, well, you know, you guys haven't had success in the playoffs in 10 years, 15 years, or whatever it is. You're like, well, it wasn't here. We, we weren't here. So <laughs> it really doesn't matter. And even. Even this team, if you go back to last year, loss against Montreal, it's, it's a different team. It's a different season. Um, but but I'll tell you what, it's there's there's that pressure is real, and guys will feel it. And it's it's how you channel it, right? It's right. do you let it overcome you, or do you use it as motivation and it gives you energy, um, gives you life. Uh, and and I've played in a bunch of game sevens, and there's there's nothing like it. Uh, the feeling before the game, during the game, um, especially late if it's close, it's. Uh, those are the games that you, you love to play in, and I guarantee Toronto feels the same way going back home in, in front of that crowd because as much pressure there is, if they win that game, I mean, could you imagine that building and how loud it's going to be? It'll explode. The, the, I heard someone try and explain what a Game 7 felt like, and, and he said, just imagine a playoff game in overtime. As soon as they drop the puck in a Game 7, it feels like a playoff game in overtime. Is that, is that a good way to describe it for you? It, it is, yeah, and it's it's everything leading up to the game too, right? Your your pregame prep, knowing you're you're going into a game seven, and then in that first ten minutes, there's so many nerves, right? There's nervous energy, excitement. Um, you try not to get yourself too high, and then and then there's that lull in the middle of the game where it actually kind of does feel like a, a normal hockey game, and then you get to that third period, and, and everything gets heightened even more, where you know every play means so much, and, right. and you're basically on the edge of your seat as you're watching so it's um it's until you i guess you could actually play in one it's it's really hard to explain the feeling of, of being in one hey but before i let you go just um, as you talked about getting over that hump do, do you see yeah. any parallels between this leafs team and the lightning team that you know kind of knocked on the door before winning a cup yeah, I mean, when I was with the Lightning, I, I always said I felt like us and Toronto were almost mirror images of each other in, in the fact that we both had so much skill, um, you know, up front and basically could do anything we wanted with the puck at, at all times. And I think the one difference was that Tampa Bay eventually learned that they had to worry about their own end first and not turn the puck over and worry about defense. And it always wasn't about putting the puck in the back of the net. And I think that's what Toronto's trying to learn right now. And, and that's how you have success in playoffs is, you know, you, you get those leads and you hold on to them. And um, it's not all about the flash and dash. And I think Toronto is actually starting to, to realize that now and the way they're playing. And um, I think these teams match up so similar. And, you know, I obviously I give goaltending a little bit of the edge to, to Tampa, obviously with Vasilevsky, but I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Campbell's game five after giving up two early ones. Yeah. And I, I think this series is over. If he doesn't play the way he did at the end of that first period in game five, mm. um, he was absolutely remarkable in, in a way to bounce back in a, a very, very tough situation. So he was good again last night as well. Maybe the Sorelli goal he'd want back, but um, that hasn't been an issue for Toronto. So it's, uh, it's pretty even matched up right now, and, and I'm excited to see it. 13 seasons in the show with the Rangers and the Lightning. First time on our show, but we do appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan.
Awesome. Thanks for having me on. There is uh, Ryan Callahan, who is covering actually a couple of different series for ESPN, so maybe I could ask him about Sidney Crosby next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, time for a break. It's Friday, so you know what that means. Rubinoff, thank golf, it's Friday. Plus, more hockey talk coming your way next in Timmy Friends. Yeah, eyebrow raise. That was fantastic. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready for it. We've got a breaking story. What? Yeah. This is Tim and Friends. It is year four of NHL Power Players. The initiative is focused on selecting young hockey fans ages 13 to 17 to advise the league on the future of the NHL. It's a cool initiative, and you can apply by visiting the website available right there. Speaking of power plays. Flames' power play has struggled a wee bit in the postseason, just 2-for-19 in the series so far, but they're on the verge of moving on with a win tonight. They'll have to do it in a hostile environment, and apparently a pretty hot environment. Mm. But Daryl Sutter is just fine with all that. Well, first of all, I think it's exciting, right, because there's fans. Right. That's the best part. I don't care if they're throwing beer on you or calling you or whatever, right? That's still that's still the best part. We haven't had it. And when you talk about players on our team, especially in, in you know, like Dallas had it last year, but uh, you know, for most of Canada, they didn't. So that's that's the best part of it all. I still don't know why guys uh, pay twelve bucks for beer and then throw it on you, though, or forty bucks for a hat and throw it on the ice. I don't, I don't get that one. <laughs> Does the media in uh, following Calgary realize how lucky they are? No, but there's, there is, uh, our strengths are our weaknesses, oftentimes, Jesse Rubinoff. Mm. And in that little lively give and take with Daryl Sutter, there is oftentimes some take from Mr. Sutter. You understand right, that, yeah. right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like he, can he, be ornery. He gives it, but he also take it away. Right, yeah. right. In a, in a hurry. And then he doesn't give you the lines, and you don't know what's going to happen. There's... There's a lot of give and take. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think about that. Yeah. We, we play the hits. That's the problem. We play we the take hits. His best. Yeah. We take his best. I actually stuff. talked to Eric Francis yeah. about that, and he said the exact same thing. Like, yeah. you playing those hits doesn't help us. That's our bad. Yeah. yeah he, <laughs> then he thinks that people actually <laughs> like that, and we're trying to get information right. to give to our fans back in Calgary, and there is nothing to give <laughs> back to our fans back in Calgary. Do you think they get it done tonight? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it feels they like a series that should end in six. It just feels like they've been better should end in six. the majority of the series. They feel like the better team. They've run into a hot goalie, which can al- always change things. But it feels like they've figured something out. But their goalie is just as hot. They're, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. It's, they, we're not even talking about him. Yeah. And he is one of the better goalies in the entire postseason right now. So the uh, Calgary Flames and the Dallas Stars coming your way a little later on tonight. CBC and Sportsnet is where you can see that. Game sevens tomorrow. Three of them. Count them. And we may end up with the same on Sunday, depending on how it all breaks down. Tonight, six would tie a record. If you ended up with six game sevens, it would tie an NHL record set back in 1992. Uh, I won't say the two best words in sports is game seven, but I know that a lot of people will. <laughs> Why won't you say it? Because it's ridiculous. Game seven. And they use the number, too, most of the time. So it's actually not a word. really break it down. Yeah. It's not it's, a word at all. It's, yeah. It's a number. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy game sevens. 
And I know there will be a lot of people watching Saturday night. Couch. Toronto. Yep. Edmonton. Lock it down. All right, it is a Friday. That means Jesse Rubinoff, who promised breaking news with a segment we like to call Thank Golf It's Friday. Ah, beautiful, beautiful sound. Uh, yeah, I, did. I do have breaking news. Uh, the PGA Championship is next week. Phil Mickelson is the defending champion, and Phil Mickelson will not be playing in the PGA Championship next hmm. weekend. He has taken a leave of absence for a number of months now following uh, comments made in regards to uh, the Saudi League that we discussed last week. He has been linked to the Saudi League. There is some uh, so other... playing uh, in the Saudi League. It, it seems like it. Uh, there's also been a, a story last week um, from Alan Shipnuck, a, a golf writer who is writing a biography on Phil Mickelson. And the mm-hmm. story was that uh, Phil Mickelson uh, has run up $40 million worth of gambling debts in the past. Um, that's obviously something that has sort of followed him around for, for quite some time. So there's a, a lot of drama surrounding Phil Mickelson at the moment. Hasn't played in a while, obviously. And it looks like that's going to continue. And he will not be defending his title at the PGA Championship next week. If he was playing like average Joes, like those legendary stories about Phil Mickelson just basically challenging any whale with money to play him in golf. Yeah. Then you knew that there was something in the background there, right? Yes, yes. Do you know what his forty uh, million dollars though? It's ridiculous. In gambling I mean, debts is yes. crazy. It's crazy. Um, you know what his nickname is around tour? They call him uh, Fig Jam. Bleep, I'm good. Just ask me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So okay, let's get to the uh, the other story that I originally had planned. But it's not bleep. F- but it's not bleep. No, it's uh, thank fake. golf, it's Friday. So I mentioned uh, how the PGA Championship is coming up next week. It is part of a, a big couple weeks of golf. The U.S. Open is a month away. Mm-hmm. And it's a unique tournament, the U.S. Open, because any professional or amateur can get into the tournament as long as you meet a certain handicap criteria. Right. Enter former NFL running back Danny Woodhead, the former Jet, Patriot, Charger, and Raven, fired a score of 71 to make it through his local U.S. Open qualifier and did it by curling in that putt that you just saw, long birdie Crazy. putt on the second last hole. Woodhead finished in a... Tie for third place to grab one of the five available spots in a field of 84, and he now is into the final qualifier for the U.S. Open, which will take place next month ahead of the U.S. Open. There's always one good story about a qualifier that gets in. It's almost Romo as if, did it in the past. Yeah, it's almost as if every golf writer out there looks for the qualifier story heading yeah. into the U.S. Open and is just praying that the Tony Romo and or Danny Woodhead. We'll get in. we got to hit the links because I think if you get your handicap index down to 1.4, mm-hmm. you can make a go at it. Long way to go for both of us. Long, long, long way to go. But maybe we make a run at it next year. Do you think he uses a composite driver? Probably. Woodhead. <laughs> Time for Send It to Hockey Central on Sportsnet. David Amber and the crew standing by ahead of three game sixes in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You get it yet? Woodhead. <laughs> Very good. You're on today. Woodhead. Inspirational. As for us, we yeah. will continue on Sportsnet 360. Kenny Smith joins us to discuss the Sixers season ending early and a bunch of great series. Back in 60 on 360. Everyone else, enjoy Hockey Center. Tim and Friends continues on Sportsnet 360. Last night, the Sixers season came to an end. And given the injury to Joel Embiid, you probably could have predicted that their season would come to an end. What you also may have been able to predict was the pettiness that followed. The finger-pointing that landed square on the shoulders of Ben Simmons last year turned into strays for almost 
everybody. From Embiid saying he didn't know how the franchise let Jimmy Butler go, to Jimmy running to the locker room after saying that he wished he had stayed, screaming they took Tobias Harris over me. Then Embiid goes from saying after James Harden's debut, that was probably the most wide open I've ever been in my career, to last night saying, and I quote, everybody expected the Houston James Harden but that's not who he is anymore. And then, my friends, and then there's Doc Rivers, who is no stranger to the heat getting it again. Nine years into the process, and they haven't gotten further than the Iguodala, Drew Holiday, Thad Young, Lou Will Nucleus that took him to Game 7 of the conference semifinals back in 2012. Here to help us understand this, is our good friend Kenny the Jet Smith of TNT's Inside the NBA, thejetacademy.com. Kenny, welcome back to Tim and Friends. How are you, my friend? I'm good, I'm good. I'm we're good. How are you guys doing? Where are you at right now? Because we have run the gamut with you, my friend. We have had okay. you in cars. We have had you on a boat in Turks and Caicos. I'm actually, well, I'm actually right now in front of one of my favorite landmarks in Houston. I mean, in L.A., which is Menchie's, which is a hey. great mm. ice cream store. We have that here. What do you, yeah, we, we got that here. What do you put on your Menchie's frozen yogurt? You know what? I, I, I'm not, I don't put much. I, no. I'll, every now and then I'll put caramel on it. But that's about it. Really? Like on, on yogurt, I'll put caramel and that's it, like a touch. But I'm not putting the candies and You're the not gummy putting no bars. gummy bears on that? No, uh, no gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> no gummy bears. I thought it back after school that it is it is almost 100 i think it's like 98 degrees in so it's a little bit way you can't you can't rub it in anymore because it was 27 which Mm -hmm. is about 82 on the way in today so there there is no more rubbing it in my friend summer has come to the great white north it's nothing like California sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we were talking about the process, and obviously that wasn't the way they wanted it to end. Obviously, you could just point to Joel Embiid, say he was hurt, and move on, but there seemed to be some pettiness there. D- does the process get another year here? Well, oh, yeah, I think the one thing that I, I found that Philadelphia has been is a, a little bit too honest in their subconscious thought. You know, yeah. like sometimes when you when a team beats you, it's, it's just okay to say, "Hey, you know, we weren't good enough this year. Congratulations to the Miami Heat, and we got to get better next year." But the whole "I wish I had Jimmy," and I would, you know, all of those things, uh, it's like the, to th- to to always tell the media about your subconscious thoughts. Or, or Doc Rivers saying, "You know, I do a good job. I'm a great coach." I think sometimes it's unnecessary. You, you know Philly. I mean, you're, you're in a movie about Philly that's coming out very soon, by the way. Um, they don't have much patience. Harden said last night he wants to go back, but if he's that James Harden, this isn't going to go well in that city, is it? Well, again, you know, instead of, like, again, Joel and Reed telling us about his subconscious, well, he's not the James Harden of Houston, which now makes us say, well... If he's not that guy, do we have him in the long run? Right. Because I remember, you know, when he first got there the first two weeks, his subconscious was telling us, man, I've never scored this season, you know, playing with a guy like that. I've never played with anyone like that. So I think at times as a basketball player, you just got to say, I got to get better. I got to figure out ways to not get, you know, 
injured like he did a great job this year until uh, the freak injury. But in terms of getting his body ready to play, no one can discredit Joel Embiid for doing that. And, um, and sometimes you just leave it as that. Do you think that the franchise has allowed him to do that a little too much, Kenny? Like, I remember back in the day when there was the training table and the Big Macs along the sidelines. I know that, you know, him and Simmons used to go out with the owner of the team. Like, has there been a little uh, or not enough separation between church and state in Philadelphia? Well, I I think it has. I'm not even sure about that question, honestly. Like, when when a reporter asks you a question that requires you to go into your subconscious and you know i think we're you're not obligated to tell them that. right because uh, it's so emotional coach dean smith when i you know legendary coach that I played for for the university of north carolina hall of famer god rest his soul he never spoke to the team after the game and i said coach well why don't you speak to us after the game he said because the emotions are so high that I might say something that if I would look at the film of the game and come to have a night's sleep, that I wouldn't say it that night. Right. So I think that's what Joel sometimes needs to do. I think Doc Rivers needs to do that <laughs> as well. Not speak on things right in the emotion of it. You're losing game six and you're right. no longer in the NBA playoffs when you thought you were going to win the whole thing. I got you. Uh, is the C's Bucks series the best of the second round? Ooh. I, I mean, we got a game seven in the West. We do. So I don't know if it's the best, but I think the, it had the best game. I think the the, the Bucks and Celtics game had the best game of the playoffs so far. Their game six was magnificent. And if 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 you were if if um, if Giannis was a spy and you were interrogating him and you were torturing him, you would have to kill him. <laughs> just, just, I give in, man. This guy, that shot right there, that three-point shot is something that, you know, he takes without fear. He did not, you know, he's not a great three-point shooter, but it was timely. It's like, this is the shot we need. We need a three. I'm not going to be fearful of taking it. I'm going to take it in that moment. Uh, so he is the, I would say the best, he is 007 of NBA basketball. <laughs> I was saying yesterday that I thought that despite his greatness, Giannis has slept on down there. Like the Milwaukee thing, the fact that he wasn't blowing up on the gram in high school because he was in Greece. Like, do you feel, though, that even though he's an MVP, he's a champ, that he still isn't talked about like that enough? 100%. I think, you know, I don't know when the last time you got this call. I haven't gotten it ever. Hey, man. Let's go hang out in Milwaukee for the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't get that call. So um, it's just not a place, a destination where people go in their leisure time or want to go. So in turn, you don't get an influx of, like, people who just aren't Milwaukee people to follow me. Uh, We're in New York. You get people from all over the world. So even in their losing seasons, they still have people following. Right. You know, Los Angeles, same thing with even Miami. But you don't get that in Milwaukee, and that, I think that hurts him because he doesn't get the casual fan to enjoy his greatness. Yeah, and it is greatness. Same with Luca. Like I, I love him, but I, I like I wonder if he can do it with this group, with this style. Like 
When it matters most, can that style work in the NBA? I mean, listen, he's pushing a number one seed to seven. You brought it up. Like, what's your take on the Mavs and their superstar? I think Luka Doncic is the second best player in the NBA right now. Hmm. Um, I think the number one player is Giannis. And in terms of talking about uh, being the second best player this year, Luka Doncic has proven that he is that. Will that happen next year? I don't know. But these two guys have done things so magnificently over this course of the year. And, yes, the best team in basketball has been the Phoenix Suns. And they're 48 minutes away from losing. To Luka. And, like, it's I, he's got a little dog in him, doesn't he? No, a lot of dog. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, he has a lot of uh, – there are certain people who seek out the big moment and certain people who wait for the big moment to happen. He seeks out the big moments. He, he actually is somebody who thrives in that in that moment and probably is hoping that there's a – I think he'd rather have a one-point game at the buzzer yeah. than win in game seven. Yeah, I'm with you. He just searches. When Booker took the ball from him and there was like that back and forth, I was just like, why – why push? I, I, and I like Booker. I think he's a really good player. But I thought, why push him? He, he just seems like someone who loves that push. Yeah, I mean, there is there is um, there is something about there is this toughness, and then there's mental toughness. Right. You know, toughness, you know, anybody can be tough. Anybody can you know go around and push and shove. But how many people could be mentally tough when when they're down, or when things aren't going their way? to still have the same confidence to do the same things that you typically do. That's Luka Doncic. He has mental toughness. I don't know if he could, you know, beat Shaq in a fight, but I bet he wouldn't be scared to take a shot against Shaq in, right. in the fourth quarter down one. <laughs> I agree with you. All right, one more. Like, like all of us Canadians, like, know hockey, right? Kenny Smith and uh, I heard that, like, Scarborough, Ontario's Rick Tockett brought the Stanley Cup into the uh, inside the NBA on on TNT Studios. Now I know you're a hockey fan because we go back a few a few here. What, what was it like to have the cup in studio? Well, you know, it's the cousin of the NBA trophy, so I've been with the cousin a couple times. <laughs> You've been with the cousin a couple times. Cousin a couple times, the NBA championship. So you know. But it, it, I will say that cup is much heavier than the NBA trophy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you can't you can't soft hand that trophy. No question about it. I, I remember on the parade, I, I was holding up the NBA trophy on the on our uh, on our uh, we had actually uh, fire trucks, and I was holding it up yeah. and held it up the whole time. There's no way I would be able to hold it. <laughs> Minutes. You, you get a trap workout. Uh, I can't wait for Hustle to come out on Netflix. Kenny the Jet Smith acting debut. We are proud of you, my dude. I uh, can't wait to see it and appreciate you doing this. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, bye. And enjoy the Menchies. Uh, they, they, need, they need to send you some free yogurt, my friend, because he just did a free commercial for them. No doubt. Right, well, there is Kenny the Jet Smith getting his plain yogurt menchie. Like you gotta throw some well, stuff. Strawberries, we, gummy worms, cookie crumble, something on there. Yeah, it, it's a fine line though. I get what he's saying because you don't want to overload it with like, there's a million Crap. different things that you could put on and then it's not really even ice cream or frozen yogurt anymore, right? 
We didn't even really ask, we didn't ask him what flavor it was. I know he said he liked the caramel on top, but what what flavor do you think Kenny Smith? Like vanilla? Yeah, strawberry seems, seems basic. Next time he comes on, we're gonna have to follow yeah. up on that. Green tea? It, it seems some no, 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 no chance. Yeah, like a like a chocolate vanilla or strawberry. Yeah. It's one of those. You're yeah. not putting caramel on <laughs> green tea. Right. Right? Yeah, that's, probably, right. that's probably a vanilla. That's yeah. Good thinking by you. Yeah. All right. Time for one last break. We'll uh, we'll get the last call. We'll look back at the week. We'll do it all. It is our final segment of the week, and Rubinoff takes over with last call. I may be drinking. I guess they asked that on air. <laughs> Did Bianca lose today? <sighs> Find out. We know Dennis beat Rafa yesterday. She did. She did. Uh, she ran. I was. I knew she was playing. Had a tough matchup. Uh, and I just wanted to make sure that I knew what we were talking about because I think we're going to be talking about tennis. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't give me that now. It's too late. I've already figured it all out. She lost. All right. <laughs> I may have ruined one of your last calls. No. Not uh, at all. But, but let's get her going. Uh, okay, Saturday in the Stanley Cup playoffs should be a ton of fun, obviously, because the seventh time in NHL history and the first time since 2014 that three Game 7s will be played on the same day. There have been a total of 184 Game 7s in NHL history. Home teams have won almost 60% of the time, and the that team that scores first goes on to win 75% of the time. Okay. Evidently, more important to score first than to be yes. at home. Here's another look at the schedule for Saturday. It all gets started with the Bruins and Canes at 4.30 Eastern, followed by the Lightning and Leafs and Kings and Oilers. That is unreal. Is this screwing up your weekend plans, or are you enjoying this? I'm, I'm tired. Uh, I'm a little lazy. Yeah. And I can't wait. And I hope that it's a nice... It's been beautiful in Toronto all week long. I hope it remains beautiful in Toronto because I have a nice little setup in the I backyard to, yeah. where I take my Rogers Ignite. And I bring it outside because it is internet-based cable. You can bring it almost anywhere as long as you're still close to your modem. And my modem's in the back of the house. And it is like I'm watching live TV in the back. I got myself one of those cheaper 42 inches. No, it's it's not a must-be-nice. Because anyone can do it. That's the beauty of Rogers Ignite, is that you can do that. And I can do that. You can go outside. I watch it on my phone all the time. Ignite's amazing. I'm not talking about your phone. I'm talking about is there a spot outside your house? And patio, I know you kind yeah. of sort of live underground. But you have patio. a patio. Yeah. Do you have Rogers Ignite? Yes. Do you have a plug? Yes. Then you can do it too. You plug the Rogers Ignite in and you put a TV, whatever it is, big or small, outside. Can't you you can't lift your TV? You don't have a TV I mean, that you can lift? That's asking a lot. Yeah, because yeah, that must be nice. Yeah. Because <laughs> you got an 80 inch TV. So, what you do, I'm telling you right now, you go get a monitor for like 300 bucks, you get one of the cheapest TVs that you can find, and you carry it in and out of the house. Can you do you a YouTube video to just show, show Canada how to sure. do this? Sure, because it's not that hard and it's not that expensive. I'm telling you, the greatest use of a Rogers Ignite cable box is that you can move it around your house mm. as long as you're close to the modem. So you are going to be watching in your backyard and I'm surprised, you know, a big shooter like you isn't willing to spend $1,000 to get into the game because that's pretty much what it's going to be <laughs> to get into the game in I, Toronto. I'm not a big, on like, Saturday. I'm not a big go-to-the-game guy. Look at this. I do like sitting at home. Look, as you see me cycle around the lower bowl, that is U.S. dollars. 
That is a lot of money. Sorry, I, I, my TV here is small. Like, what are we talking about? Lower, lower bowl down. Lower bowl is a thousand dollars minimum, basically. Yeah. What about close to the upper yeah. bowl? Is about seven hundred dollars Canadian. So it's about seven hundred bucks to get in the building. Yeah, I mean, it's a chance for history, but not going to be great if they lose for those people. Yeesh. Let's move on. The Dodgers place Kate Clayton Kershaw. What if they win? That's it. You'll be there for the first series win. That's what I said. It's historic. But if they lose, you know, just I'm looking Yeesh. at both sides of the coin. You gave us a shit. Yeah, I'm looking at both sides. Yeah. Clayton Kershaw's on the injured list due to a inflammation in a pelvic joint. Kershaw has spent time on the pelvic joint. Spent time on the IL in each of the last seven seasons, and last year he was shut down for the second half of the season and the playoffs. In Kershaw's first start of the season, Dave Roberts controversially pulled him after seven perfect innings. Does Kershaw going back on the IL? Help or hurt the argument to remove yeah, now, him with a perfect game intact. Now I go back. Now I go back. I was one of the ones that said you don't want to get him hurt, and now he's hurt. You'd go back? I'd go back and I'd leave him in. If you knew he was going to get hurt. But he didn't know. Yeah. But now, like yeah. he had a chance of history and it could have been I one know. of but listen, he may never be the same. And I was there saying you don't want him to be hurt, so don't do this. But now that I know he's hurt. Could have been one great last memory, mm-hmm. Clayton Kershaw. Hopefully, he's back for the playoffs and they get more memories. And but this is part of the reason why I wanted him out, and part of the reason now that I'm rethinking that. Every pitcher can throw a perfect game any game because the balls are dead. Um, okay, uh, Hazel is reporting. Hazel so May is reporting. <laughs> George Springer held a closed door players only meeting on Wednesday oh. following their loss in the Bronx. General theme was to stay positive. Main message was to slow down. It's all good. It's just baseball. Is this a message to his team or to the fan base? <laughs> uh, it could be to both, but I do think that that is, like you saw Jay's pressing in that final game against yeah. the Yankees. You saw some emotion that you haven't normally seen, and the beauty of this team over the last couple of years, despite the fact that some of the fan base doesn't like it, is they have fun all the time. And when they were having fun, they were winning. And you haven't seen a lot of that fun over the last little while. I think Springer knows that. I think Springer's been around long enough to know that they need that. Historical house of horrors down in Tampa. Uh, but this would be a really good spot to turn things around. Because because it's a place that you historically have gone and struggled so much, right? I just think anywhere to turn it around is a good place to turn around. These are tough games against tough teams in a tough division. Uh, yes, this would be a good place to do it, but any place would be a good place to do it. Because the Jays just need to get back to that, that fun brand of baseball where they feel loosey-goosey and maybe not the expectations that they had coming into this year. You know what tweet I saw that I was waiting for? Stop with the home run jacket. You're not hitting any home runs anyway. Just yeah. stop with the home run jacket. Right. I think, I I think you're times. seeing them press, and I think you can see it in the numbers as well. All right, that does it for us, kids. Jesse Rubinoff and I are done. Another busy night on the network. Another busy week for us here on Tim and Friends. So thank you so much for hanging with us throughout the week. And as we leave you one last time, let's take a look back at our week on the show. Because it's Friday then. It's Saturday, Sunday. It's Friday then. It's Saturday, Sunday. What? It's Friday then. It's Friday, Sunday. What? It's Friday again. There's a debate we could have for hours and hours, but we won't. Unless you want to have me on for hours and hours, I'm I'm available and free. Why why the hell is Faisal Kamisa over your left shoulder?
<laughs> He's wearing jeans with rips. He paid, what do you get those jeans? Half off, Faisal, because they're ripped? Ha ha. Can you stop that man? Thanks, Sean. Appreciate your belief. Defense needs to be as good or as on point as the security guards. I got that one too. Sean McKenzie. That's the Undertaker. Brilliant. When you're out here in LA, you you got a nice three-peat suit uh, provided by Deb Berman. You got the sunglasses. People think you're important even if you're not. So I actually have security here. I've hired security. (laughs) I'm hoping I can expense it. Uh, What is your name? Tyler. How old are you, Tyler? 20. And who's the most famous person that you've ever done security for? Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. It's the one and only Eagle Double G. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg, you know what, Tyler? It was a dog's breakfast for the Edmonton Oilers. Let's go again. Wait a minute. Those fans, just keep away. Tell them I'm on TV. You guys, in a little bit, in a little bit, I promise, I promise. We'll take us up. Well done, Tyler. See, you never know who you're going to run into here. So, Tyler, that's very well done. Our headline of the day, which comes to us from refined French football club, Lyon, who sent Brazilian center back Marcelo to the reserves for... And I quote, farting in the dressing room and laughing about it. I had to go to Twitter to deny the reports. <laughs> so cool. Oh, look at this. G- Gino's juggling. I get it. I understand it. You're Woodcroft. Hey, look at Justin Bourne. Wow. That is, now that is putting Gino to shame. And it looks like you have your own custom, and I'm going to be careful with this, juggling balls. <laughs> I do have balls for juggling, yeah. Look at, yeah, there's Instagram versus reality. <laughs> That's what we call that right there. That's good camera work. Uh, can they finally get over the hump, Jesse? What's the gut telling you? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to do it at some point, right? You would think. I mean, the future is long, and I guess they could go on for longer, but... <laughs> Hey, the last time the Leafs won in the first round, that was a maternity ward behind you. <laughs> Into the Uber he goes, smooth. Sir, I'm, I'm doing a little radio uh, hit while we're driving and saying hello. The radio host says hello to you. Uh, Tim McAuliffe, great guy up in Toronto. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Wow.